So the coffees um, have a long tradition now at Oakcrest. And um, I like to think that we've been, uh, for many of you, we've been drinking coffee and talking for many years. And um, I love that. But I just want to give you just a little overview um, for the new families and a reminder really to all of us. Um, the purpose of them is just to um, strengthen the bonds that are that exist between the school and um, and you, and um, they really serve as a great informal channel um, by which I can talk about things like um, the reasons behind decisions that we make at the school, um, cherish traditions at Oakcrest, so people really understand, you know, where they why they exist, where they come from. I like to share um, any experiences, insights, uh, reflections that about raising girls um, that I have learned along the way myself because of my experience, or I've learned from, um, from teachers, uh, conversations with parents, et cetera. So it's really sharing um, all of that, you know, you could say collective wisdom um, and just getting to know each other better. I mean, that's really, really important for building trust. Um, and just thinking a little bit um, deep education, which is what we're doing. Um, deep education is uh, education that's more than passing on information or imparting skills. I mean, both of which are very important, of course. But um, deep education really is um, a, I call it, it's a, it's a her grand and heroic work of faith, hope, and love, all three theological virtues, um, and all of which are tested at one point or another, hopefully not at the same time, uh, but they, they are tested. Um, um, parents and educators alike experience like that, and certainly in raising adolescents. So uh, we, need, we need each other, we need good resources, um, and resources come in the form of experienced parents, experienced teachers, uh, and also uh, books, articles, websites, you name it. So all of that is behind the coffees and what we really, I really hope to share with, with all of you. Um, so let's see, um, the only thing that's gonna be missing today is the conversation. Um, unfortunately, the conversation before I talk and after I talk, um, which is really so much fun and so enjoyable, but I will take q and I'll take comments, insights, whatever you have, jokes, I'm, I'm up for anything um, in the little Q&A section um, as we wrap, you know, as we end this. So today, I'm going to just talk to you about um, what I've been talking to each grade about these days. That, that's key. I want you to know that so we work together. Um, I'm going to mention a few resources that, that I've been um, thinking about that I always like to draw on. And I want to give you an update on our plans for the back to school nights. Um, but I did want to start with a brief recognition of September 11th, um, the significance of this day. And can't not do that. And I was actually thinking that maybe we could offer up um, you know, just a, our work today as a way of um, praying for the people who suffered on that bright sunny Tuesday 19 years ago, kind of shocking, um, to pray for the people and pray for their families. Um, I want to share something. I lived in Midtown Manhattan, uh, so I lived this day uh, 19 years ago in the aftermath very intensely, as you can imagine. And I just have one little story I wanted to share with you. 
Um, I went out on November 2nd, 2001, so just two months after, um, after the, the day, after September 11th, um, it was my birthday. I went on a birthday outing, uh, kind of wander uh, in Brooklyn Heights, a beautiful area, as you know, probably many of you know, went out for coffee and whatnot. And anyway, ended up uh, stopping into a, a lovely church called Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Uh, it's a Lebanese, uh, a Maronite church right there in Brooklyn Heights. So we just went in, it's absolutely lovely, and ended up conversing with an elderly priest there, a Lebanese priest. And um, we just talked about September 11th, you know, sort of where were you, um, you know, was anybody in your community affected, that kind of thing. And he just told us that um, when um, the planes crashed into the towers that morning, of course, he ran out of the church right away and ran to the promenade and um, stood there praying. And uh, he said he offered conditional absolution for all the people who were meeting God, who were dying um, that, in that moment, in, that, in those hours. And, um, and he just stood there praying for quite a while. And when he came back, um, he said that he didn't even realize it, but at one point he just caught a view of himself in a mirror and realized that he was completely covered in white. And, um, but I just, that stayed with me um, as a, for me, it was a, an amazing story, but I just love to think about that um, wise old priest who had seen a lot of things in life, a lot of suffering, um, just praying silently there, you know, on the promenade. And uh, just to me, it was a great symbol of, of God's mercy. And that, love is always stronger than hate. Um, just had to share that with you because, um, you know, this is a significant day always, it always will be for our country. So moving to our, our life at Oakcrest, um, specifically, I have really liked this gradual opening because it's given us um, the time to focus on each grade um, with a lot of, you know, peace and joy and, um, just giving you know the right amount of time, um, which I think is lovely. And I've shared some core points with each grade um, that I'm going to share with you now. And I've just you know adjusted as needed uh, for their age and the special things about their particular grade, which is always fun to think about. Um, the things that just make that year um, of their life very special. It could be Oakcrest traditions, it could be just things that I know are important to them um, as they go through the growing up years. Um, and I was also, also very much had in mind helping the new students, as we all did, we want them to feel um, very comfortable as soon as possible. Uh, recognizing that it is a, you know, I don't know what to say, intriguing, different, uh, whatever adjective, year to start in a new school, we're fully aware of that. And um, again, we want to make the beginning um, as, as happy and as comfortable as possible. So um, it's been great, again, to hear them, to see them come in, um, to see some of the, you know, connecting with old friends, um, always, always encouraging them, reach out the hand of friendship to everyone new. And the teachers are wonderful at working on that, on that blend. Um, so, but the first point that I addressed is the chapel. Um, just the chapel at the heart of the school. And, um, you know, by way of sort of information again, and just, you know, informing the new girls and reminding everyone, um, every element in this building, which is now just four years old, was designed very intentionally 
um, to really reflect the mission of the school. And certainly the fact that we have the chapel in the heart of the school is one of those examples of absolute intentionality, um, very mission driven. Um, so again, when one walks into the school, uh, you absolutely, you, you see the chapel through the glass doors and that is no accident. Um, and I just share with the girls how um, it's been true since the beginning of Ocrest, when Ocrest was in Washington, DC, you know, an old tradition from the very beginning is um, to go to the chapel first. When you come to school, when you walk in, um, the tradition is to go to the chapel when you arrive um, and also to go when you leave, to stop in when you leave. And um, I really love that. And someone along the way kind of described it as, um, I think it was really nice for the girls. When you, know, when you go to visit a friend's house, um, you want to say the hello to her parents first. Um, that's always great and important and polite and, and just lovely. And when you leave, you want to say goodbye to her parents as well. You know, goodbye, I'm leaving now, thank you. You know, we're not like slipping, slinking in and out of homes as it were. Um, so it's just a, it's a nice uh, courtesy and kind of correctness. And in a way, that's what we're doing here. Um, we have uh, our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament here. Um, I tell the girls, he's the boss. I'm not the boss. He's the boss. Um, so like sort of naturally, we want to greet him first and say goodbye to him when we leave. Um, and I, I remember it being puzzling. It can be puzzling to new kids. Why is everybody going there? And why are they, you know, dashing in and out uh, as they leave? Uh, what's going on? So I, in light of that very practical and lovely tradition, um, I just shared uh, with everyone how the school puts a priority on, on the personal relationship uh, that every student has with God. And we really want to foster that um, in each student, in every faculty and staff member, and every parent. I mean, that is a deep aspiration of the school and always has been. Um, and we, the girls know, we, we give the tools for that um, in every way we can. Uh, through direct teaching, of course, in the theology classes, but through conversation, example, uh, personal mentoring, everything. We're all about that. Um, but we, and we give a lot of freedom, though, and that's really important um, to each person to develop this um, essential friendship uh, with God. So it's encouragement, uh, it's a good example, it's this beautiful tradition. Uh, but also freedom, as, as, which is especially important, um, always, but especially as the girls grow older, so that they own this relationship. Um, and then drawing on, I did draw on my beloved lighthouse image. Um, and I said, I, you know, I'd like to think of the chapel as our lighthouse, um, that we need, we all need, uh, maybe especially in these times, but we all need light. We all need direction, um, we need security, we need confidence, um, and what better place to, to get all of that um, than in the chapel in prayer. Um, and so just for you as parents to know that, that that's what, um, that's what I share with the girls, again, in a kind of age, in an age-appropriate way, with some fun examples, hopefully, but um, so I just would like you to know that, um, that we will encourage your daughter um, to give time um, sometime in her life, obviously, to prayer and broadening that out to silence, um, to reflection. Um, and all of that is so crucial for many things, but definitely for her self-confidence. 
Um, and sometimes people can kind of overlook that. Um, it's not just a, you know, a spiritual thing. Um, we're body and soul. We're, we're all of a piece. So our self-confidence, we want it rooted uh, in something very, very deep, which is the unconditional love of God. Um, I think the girls are, and when you're young, you're particularly attentive um, to, in some sense, to your need for that in a way that you might not be uh, when, you're, when you're older, just um, as it is. Um, the need for that rock, uh, you know, what is my self-confidence founded on? Um, we'll say it in different ways to the girls and show them we don't, we don't want it founded on something superficial. Um, you know, friend, to a certain extent, friends are wonderful, but uh, friends can come and go. Friends can disappoint. Um, they, that's part of growing up, realizing that people, as good as they are, um, can, can disappoint, not necessarily meaning to. But their confidence needs something, their self-confidence needs something very deep. Um, again, this will come up in mentoring. Um, this is what they'll see every day in a very natural way from their teachers, mentors, um, hopefully myself, all of the people. Um, and I think for you to just, you know, ponder, I'm sure you do, um, these times of silence, which are so precious, uh, especially in our lives, our busy lives, times of silence and reflection um, really help the girls, we're no different, really it helps the girls get to know themselves um, and really sort out the emotions that are so powerful uh, especially in this stage, the, I, again, adolescence, it, they're just very powerful. They can be powerful uh, at different times in our lives, certainly, uh, and there's nothing wrong with powerful emotions, but we want to make sure they, they're serving, uh, that we have a channel for them, uh, that they're guided by reason, enlightened by faith, um, and that's quite a lot. Um, and we, again, we want to give the girls tools how do I do that? Little by little, how do I learn to do that? And one of the most beautiful things here is seeing the girls um, grow. Um, all of the teachers will talk about that. It's, and I'm sure you've seen, you have certainly seen those moments of, of growth, of personal growth. Um, and part of, again, is learning what to do with those emotions, how to put them at, at the service of love and of giving and, and beautiful and wonderful things in life. So again, I'll always say this, but um, growing in that spirit of reflection, of prayer, during your um, young years, if you will, is so crucial. Such a great life habit. Um, it really helps you in that, uh, thinking about, again, the girls feel the tug. They're going to feel it to be someone different than who they are, maybe, to go along with the tide. You know, these are very, very natural things uh, that pull at different times. Again, developing that spirit of reflection and prayer is so key for, um, for learning how to manage all of this. Uh, one of our chaplains, Father Jerry Call, years ago used to say um, in a really winning and fun way, we'd say to the girls, look, there's, there's one smile you want to work for, and that's God's smile. And he said it with just, I, I just remember thinking like, how refreshing and how true and how good to hear when you've kind of wasted some time seeking um, other people's smiles that may not be that worth it. Um, anyway, so I think that's great. And I would just say the best way I think for you to encourage um, your daughter in this is that, that she see that it's something important for you. 
um, the prayer, reflection, silence, um, it helps you. Um, so these may not, especially with the older girls, it's direct, direct encouragement may or may not be the thing to do. Sometimes it's really not. They need their, they need their time, their space. Your relationship is you know, different with every daughter. Um, so you have to figure that out. But generally speaking, I think the, I mean, the really powerful thing is to see, uh, for the girls to see for the, that the most important people in their lives who are always their parents um, and then others, of course, but always their parents, that, it's, that this is important for their parents. They will absolutely never forget that. Um, and so, and you may think, oh my goodness, maybe it's not that important. Maybe I need to start. Um, and that's fine too. You could start doing what my father, who was not a particularly pious man, but would definitely say, you know, you've got to check in with the almighty. Um, however you, whatever your style is, um, it sends a very powerful example to your daughters. So, and then the second point really, um, and simple is the importance of little things. And um, I was thinking about that for several reasons. Um, I mean, it's a good pedagogical principle anyway, just in general, it's a piece of wisdom. Um, but I was thinking about it in terms of the large thing we wanna do this year, which is to keep um, in-person instruction, you know, living five days a week which is a big thing. As I told the girls, it's, it's bold. Um, I mean, it's right and it's good and we're gonna do our best, uh, but it is, it is really big and it is really bold. And when you have big and bold things, you can be overwhelmed. Um, and it always helps to start by, by realizing, as we know, um, that every big thing is made of little things. Um, I think it's a very calming uh, truth and um, it's just good. So I loved asking the girls, you know, who is a saint who made big things great in a way? And they certainly got it, the little flower. Um, some people also mentioned Mother Teresa, who was known for um, talking about, you know, doing little things with love is something very great. And the other saint is Saint Josemaria, and a number of people got that as well. Um, he's been called the saint of the ordinary, and uh, patron of the school for sure. We have a new beautiful uh, statue of him in the chapel uh, that just arrived this July from Madrid. It's really beautiful. Um, and he loved, he loved the little flower. He knew her writings very well, had a great devotion to her. And he just followed in suit. Like this is, you know, ordinary life is full of little things. So I told the girls there's a chapter in the way. And now I get to show you the way chapter on little things, which is great. Um, and I did remind them just like wearing the mask is a, a little thing in a sense. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not in, you know, we're not in carrying, I don't know, we're not like in wheelchairs or even anything dramatic or something. It certainly is for us, you know, it can be annoying and frustrating and has its uh, drawbacks, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's little. Staying six feet apart is not, uh, it's not that big. Um, although it's different, it's kind of, uh, it's hard in some way, but it's not that big. And yet we want to accomplish something really big, which again is doing our best, whatever's in our power, our power to keep the school open. But then I just, just going forward with that, I did encourage uh, the girls to think about what little things could you do in your academic work this year that would help you be a better student. 
So, and again, that's a, we all want big things, but what little things can we do? So, um, and it's good to just talk, and you may want to do that. Just ask your daughter, you know, is there one or two things that you learned from last year that would really, would help you? And, um, you know, just watching less of something, um, you know, getting a better place to study, um, a better schedule, right? So much of this is time management. Um, you know, you know, probably know the drill, um, but I think that's really great. So break it down. And the same thing about friendship. Um, friendship is such an important value here, um, such an important value for the girls. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that that's the case. Um, and it, there's, it's a source of great joy. It's a source of struggle for sure. But, um, but again, it's so important for their growth as, as persons. So, but what one thing might, I was asking the girls just now, what one thing might make you a better friend? Um, might, I don't know, might help you with just your classmates. Um, I use the example myself, maybe a little bit personal, but um, so, you know, maybe somebody's told you something along the way that could, might help you. Um, and I remember hearing from someone at one point, gosh, you know, you can be sarcastic. Um, and maybe that's not always good. You know, sometimes that can be hurtful for people who are, don't understand or appreciate sarcasm. So that could be like, gosh, maybe that's something I could work on um, in my effort to be more welcoming or, I don't know, uh, more enjoyable to be with. Um, so anyway, I encourage the girls to look at little things in their, in their studies, um, in their friendships, um, that some, a few improvements. And then it's just some resources. So I'll wrap up, I'll do re some resources and then um, tell you our thinking on back to school nights uh, this year. So the resources that I came upon, a um, couple of them. One is a book called Mindset. Um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And this was a summer reading for our faculty and staff, uh, maybe about four years ago. And, um, and it's really good. Um, I, I like it a lot. You're going to get, if you just pick, it's an easy read. You'll get some gems from it. Uh, one of our teachers here who've uh, been here for many years, um, I was very impressed because when, after she read it, she said, um, I wish that I had read this as a high school student. Um, and she was, I, she was an excellent student uh, in high school and college, an excellent teacher. And I took note of that comment because I thought, gee, that's, that's interesting. She's a very deep person. And, um, and I thought if she said that, that meant something. But just to give you a line from it, um, it says, if parents want to give their children a gift, the best thing they can do is to teach their children to love challenges, be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort, and keep on learning. That is very interesting. I mean, it's a high goal, right? It's not easy to teach your children to love challenges, be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort, and keep on learning. And there are a lot of tears with a lot of with all of that. But like, what's what's something? Could I get some tips on that? I think it's very good for perfect. This this is an antidote to perfectionism, um, which is a rampant. Uh, disease that many of us fight and certainly um, it can be troublesome for girls. Um, so I think you'll, you'll pick up some gems for sure. So, so Mindset by Carol Dweck. 
And my other one is um, The Collapse of Parenting, subtitle How We Hurt Our Kids When We Treat Them Like Grownups. Uh, this is by uh, Leonard Sachs, who will be coming to Ocrest on November 20th, God willing. We'll see how that goes, or he'll be here virtually, but he's our parent speaker for the fall, Leonard Sachs. He's been here before. It's fabulous. Uh, he does a great work on what I would call the data-driven case for virtue, especially the virtue of self-discipline. If you need any encouragement on, uh, on you know, helping your children with that, he's the man. He has loads of experience uh, as a physician, and he also, I think, spent several years traveling around the world to schools everywhere. So he's very honest. I think he's a very good coach for uh, good parenting, uh, good teaching, good living. So those two are just, they just came across my desk again, and I thought there's, there's good stuff, especially for the beginning of the year.